Patreon.com slash the walk-off podcast. Uh, $4 a month gets you in there. Baseball, Blue Jays, and more baseball. It's the walk-off with Scott Belford and Adam Mack. This ball is crushed. The diehard podcast for the casual fan. And another one. My goodness. So Adolis Garcia, bud, just continues with the heroics in Texas. The guy has just been, what a revelation for that team. Like, and I, I know most people probably know his story with after, after this performance that he's put on over the playoffs here. But for those of you who don't like Adolis at age 23 defected from Cuba and signed a minor league contract with the Cardinals where he never really caught on. He played, I think 21 games in 2018 he had like two hits. They sent him back down to the minors where he toiled all year in 2019 before they eventually traded him to Texas for cash considerations. Um, yes, his stat line with the Cardinals, 21 games played, three hits, batting average 118. Um, I've never seen this before. His OPS plus was negative. Wow. Negative 21. I don't know wow. how you even get that. I don't even know how you get that low. That's right. <laughs> and then and then on on uh February 10th, 2021, the Rangers DFA'd him. They designated Adolis Garcia for assignment and 29 teams passed on him and then they offered him uh a non-roster player invite to camp. Of course he made the team that year and Hit 31 home runs, placed fourth in rookie of the year voting, was selected to the all-star game. And now here we are, right? Two years later, Garcia helped lead the Rangers to their third World Series, won the ALCS MVP, put the nail in the coffin in game one in extra innings yesterday. I mean, the guy has been lights out. He's been lights out. Mm -hmm. He's been the best player on the field. And it does make me think a little bit like I know I keep reading all these tweets from Blue Jays fans. Oh, wouldn't it be nice to have an Adolis on our team? And it's like, well, this is why you don't just throw a guy out at 24 years old because you're upset with him. Everyone who's <laughs> like the same people who are who are like, wouldn't it be nice to have Adolis are also like, maybe we should trade Vladdy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's so true, though. Yeah. But hello, everybody, and welcome to the walk off. I'm Scott Belford, joined as always by the best co host in the biz, Adam Mack. We have a lot to get to today. Now, normally, this is the Friday show. We didn't get a chance to make it happen yesterday. So we're going a day late the way she goes. We're going to touch on Alec Manoa. Listen, he has been working his butt off. If you're paying any attention to his Instagram story, he's definitely posting his progress with his conditioning it's hopeful the blue jays are going to be in a bit of a catching crunch come 2024 is now the time to extend danny jansen we'll explore that and look at what it would look like ben nicholson smith friend of the show we'll have to bug him to come back over the offseason here but he had an article that if you haven't read it you really should read it he basically breaks down 10 different options that the Blue Jays could could pursue. So I kind of cherry picked 
like the most likely six. So we'll sort of go over that and uh, ask you to comment in the comments as to how you feel about which one you would like to see. And then maybe we'll tackle that in mailbag. Aralvis Martinez, number two prospect in the Blue Jays system, number 88, according to Baseball America. He's a top 100 prospect. He continues to develop. He is headed to Lycee in the Dominican Republic to play in some winter league ball. So we'll we'll kind of go over what led to that and what we can maybe expect from Aralvis in 2024. Uh, World Series underway now. Texas with that one nothing win and extra innings. Or uh, sorry, one nothing. They're up in this best of seven series after Adolis in extra innings wins that game one. And then uh, we'll touch on Halloween. Will Adam Mack be Hopper from Stranger Things again? I doubt it. He doesn't <laughs> like to revisit it, and he doesn't seem like a mustache guy anymore. You just like to cover that face, but <laughs> gotta hide the chins. Gotta hide the chins. <laughs> All right, um, Alec Manoa, get in shape. Yeah, man. I don't know. Have you seen some of his Instagram stories? Honestly, I'm so out on guys are putting in the effort this off season. The sequel is going to be better than the trailer. I'm so out on that. I'm. I mean, I good, think one of the but... most interesting talking points of the last year was there was kind of an underlying lack of conditioning with some of the players. Um, Alec Manoa wasn't alone on this. There were, we all know who we're talking about here and I'm not saying that they necessarily didn't come in to, into camp in shape, but maybe not quite to the level of elite athletes and some of their competitors did. And I, I I hope that they took this to heart. The Alec Manoas, the Alejandro Kirks, the Vladi Guerreros of the world. Listen, again, we watched Vladi come into the 2021 season in the absolute best shape of his life. And look well, at what happened in 2021. That's the problem. Um, okay. Here's my... Yep. Uneducated issue with with this just this whole like as a topic oh alec manoa finally putting in the work or oh, is he putting in the work it does this guy need to lose weight my the extent of my evaluation of a, of a athlete's fitness is uh fantasy football based so you know i'm coming from a a good spot already with this one. There are been playing fantasy football for dozens of years at this point. Rookie running back dominated in college, but the question marks are, Oh, is he big enough to compete in the NFL? He's got a, a small frame. He's a skinnier guy. It worked in college. Will it translate against the real adults of the NFL? Comes into the NFL, looks good, has his moments, and then doesn't really have the breakout year everybody wanted. Over the offseason, puts on muscle mass. Just a shredded monster of meat and muscle. Oh, is that ever exciting in spring training or in the uh, yes, in the training camps going into the season? 
And then the season starts, and he's so much worse than he was the year before. He's in way better shape. But he's, he's slower now. He, he's lost his explosive speed that was the best asset he had. So what he gained in power and toughness, he more than lost in the explosive agility skill set that he had. My point here is, fitness is such a relative term that we lose sight of the word fit it's right in there right um and it's so personal right so like if alec manoa was to lose a hundred pounds and just be a a skinny boy i don't think that would be good for him i know that's an exaggerated example right but that's where i I agree when i see the work that's being put in i don't know if it's the right kind of work maybe that was his issue last year maybe he worked too hard and it was fatigue, mm-hmm. right? I don't know. So that's why I mean, I'm, this is I'm one kind thing. of just out on all of this because I'm like, I don't know enough to know, is him throwing medicine balls against a brick wall going to help the movement on his off-speed pitches? I don't know. Is that what he needs? I don't Is it conditioning? I don't know. Is it fatigue? Like, is he over-conditioned? I don't I know. Think, I think performance is going to determine whether it was the right fitness or not, we, we are going to need to wait and see. And I know that this is something that we've been on since mid season. Thanks to your buddy, Matt wild friend of the show who works in sports medicine, who works in sports science and just straight up said, he truly believes Alec Manoa's problem right from the get go. This was back in May. He felt like arm fatigue was his big problem. And the only way to overcome arm fatigue is not to work your way through it. It's not to continue to throw. It's not to go down to the minor leagues and throw against 18-year-olds. It's to shut your arm down, let it recover, and build yourself back up. And I, I really do believe that maybe this was one of the thorns in the craw of Alec Manoa by the end of the season is that he truly felt he was fatigued. And maybe the Blue Jays wishing him to go down to Buffalo. I think there's there are aspects to this story that we're not privy to, that we're not aware of. And so we're just going to need to wait and see. Now, listen, there are we're going to get into Ben Nicholson Smith's article. But Ben Nicholson Smith is a guy who I truly feel like has lost faith in Alec Manoa. And there are a few of those out there who feel like Alec Manoa is not going to be a Blue Jay by next year. I know that in some of the scenarios, yeah, Adam, you are on record as being one of those guys. And I know that uh, in quite a few of the scenarios that Ben gives, Alec is a trade piece, Mm -hmm. bringing back an outfielder. I have a really tough time reconciling with this just because his value is so high in 2022 after finishing third in Cy Young voting. We're all aware that Alec Manoa is he's under he he's under control until 2028. He lost a year of arbitration, so he's literally league minimum or sub- close to it anyways. Mm-hmm. In for until 2026, he doesn't even start his arb years now. So there is a lot of value there. Perhaps there's a a team that feels like they can pay under what he was worth and get him back, which I can't see Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro operating that way. But who knows? Maybe they've lost faith in the man 
you know, we always heard Alex Anthopoulos when he was a Blue Jay talk about that was one of the reasons he signed Jose Batista before he had really proven himself. He had that big uh, September. They kind of locked him up after the, the huge 2010 he had on just one year of showing what he's got mm-hmm. because he believed in him as a guy. And and maybe that's the thing. Maybe they don't see that, that makeup, that chemistry in Alec Manoa, but we'll never know this. So right now, is it worth being hopeful over the fact that Alec has a chip on his shoulder? He's got the Marcus Stroman going. He's got people to prove wrong. We don't know what motivates every athlete. And you kind of put it perfectly when you were talking about fitness and everybody's different, right? Every mind is different. Everyone uses different fuel to motivate themselves. And this might be really good for Alec Manoa to feel like the world is against him and he's going to shove it down everyone's throat. So we need to wait and see how this all plays out. I really hope that Alec Manoa gets right in the head, gets right in the body and comes back and takes that fifth spot in the Blue Jays rotation and runs with it. Because my goodness, even if Alec Manoa can be that number three guy around a four ERA who logs 185 innings. Yes, please. Yeah. Uh, uh, do you feel good about that? Though? I mean, like that, I would love that too. I think it's possible. I, I really do. Honestly, man, like for a 23 year old to come out and show what he showed in 2021 and then to, to have the year he had last year, I just, it's in him. It wasn't a fluke. Now, yes, guys adjust and hitters, the league adjusts and all that, but he did it once. Time will tell. I mean, that's Um, the thing with this Alec Manoa experience is that right now it's just all speculation. We're going to need to see how this off season goes, whether he's even a blue Jay or not. Time will tell. Well, should we skip over the Danny Jansen extension, come back to it, and talk this Ben Nicholson Smith article then? Yeah, we can do that. Just while we're on the topic of Alec Manoa, um, this Ben Nicholson Smith article lays out all these different options for trades uh, or for, for off seasons, different directions we could go, how plausible they are, how much we'd be mm-hmm. spending in order to make it happen. Would it improve the team versus this year? Um, all these questions. Honestly, really interesting read. If you haven't read it yet, really good read. I like this sort of stuff. Uh, ben Nicholson-Smith. I think... Uh, Truly one of the best knowledgeable, done, yeah, knowledgeable yeah. baseball guy. So, um, certainly a, a way better uh, article than if you or I were to attempt this type of thing. Yes. Um, One thing that stands out for me is that in all of these scenarios, I think there's 10 of them, and in like half of them, Alec Manoa gets traded. Yeah. I think in every single one, what he's traded for is Blue Jays acquired Dylan Carlson for Alec Mm -hmm. Manoa. Tyler O'Neill and prospects. Is that all he's worth as a Dylan Carlson? And that's why I have a tough time seeing him getting traded. If that, I, okay, a, I'll say if that's what we're getting back in return, yeah, I say let him toil in AAA and pout if that's what it comes to. 
do not get rid of him for Dylan Carlson. This front office is so focused on asset management too. I have a really hard time believing that that's the type of return that they would get for Alec Manoa. And I'm not saying that they're going to let the lash back or the, you know, the fan outrage over the Varshow trade cloud their judgment. But boy, oh boy, if they traded Alec Manoa and he just rebounded completely and we're, we're we have Dylan Carlson and left, uh, no, no offense to Dylan Carlson. He, he's a decent piece. He's just not a, he's not the value of a 3.5 ERA pitcher. Who's going to log 190 innings, right? Like if that's what Alec Manoa can return to. And that's what people forget too, right? Like, yeah, Alec Manoa had an incredible ERA in 2022, but he finished the year. And yes, this does include the wild card game. But he finished the year with 201 innings pitched in 2022. He was a horse for this team. The upside is there. Can't argue that. Uh, Dylan Carlson, by the way, for anybody curious, uh, left fielder, switch hitter, uh, left throwing. Not that really matters, but interesting to note. Um, Numbers offensively don't look good. I don't know his defensive metrics enough to about whether he's good or not uh, defensively the way Dalton Varsho is. Last year, he hit 219 with an OPS of 651, uh, 21 so, points below average on the OPS plus. So what did his career numbers look like? Don't look much better. 2022, he hit uh, 236, the 695 OPS. Yeah. Kind of a league uh, average guy. I mean, as he would a, be, he would be the rookie, first switch hitter on the team. As, as a rookie in 2021, he was third in rookie of the year votes, if that matters to you. Um, he hit 266 with an OPS of 780. So an OPS plus of 115. So so they would be trading reclamation projects, basically. Look. Yeah, or did he come up and, and have a good... like? It, I don't think he's Or did adjusted. the league adjust? The exactly. league adjusted, and he hasn't readjusted. I mean, David Schneider had an awesome month and a half too but i don't think anybody's given us uh dylan cease for david yeah. schneider so okay so let's start with um so there there were 10 options here that ben nicholson smith laid out in this article i took six of them four of them are just not going to happen and he kind of threw them in there signing shohei otani <laughs> Well, no, I'm going to bring up that one okay? because, it, listen, it is incredibly unlikely. However, the fact that Shohei did state that, and of course, why would he eliminate one of the top spending markets in baseball? He did say that Canada is somewhere where he could see playing. Um, the Blue Jays, by the way, there are rumors that Rogers has two budgets, right? One that is very comparable to last year's budget and one they call the unicorn budget, which is one where they can lock up Shohei Otani, which totally makes sense. I mean, I think that there's probably 15 teams in the league that are doing the same thing. You have a talent like Shohei Otani available to you. Never. <laughs> so you might as well take your yep. swing, be what happens. I mean, the truth is wherever he winds up landing, it's going to be for a long-term contract. I know there's some people saying, oh, he'll take a huge number, $150 million for three years. 
I can't see it happening. Shohei Otani is going to sign an 11-year, half-a-billion-dollar deal. Like, that's just what's going to happen. I will eat my words if that is incorrect, but I just can't see a world where Shohei leaves that kind of money on the table. Now, there'll they'll probably be an opt-out. It'll probably be a Manny Machado deal where in three or four years, he can just be like, you know what? I'm killing it more than even I thought was possible. I'm going to hit the open market again and try and take another 10-year deal. So this this option is, uh, Ben calls it, the unthinkable happened. <laughs> and that would be the Blue Jays signing Shohei Otani to an 11-year deal for around half a billion dollars, $500 million. Uh, they sign Candelario, J-Mare Candelario. Of course, he was with um, the Reds, wound up uh, with the Cubs at the trade deadline. He sees him at two years, $26 million. Harrison Bader to a one-year nine million dollar deal. Lance Lynn a one-year seven point five million contract. Ahmed Rosario to a one-year seven million contract. And one thing you're going to notice, Ahmed Rosario is on almost all of these options that Ben lays out. He does really fit well with the Blue Jays. He plays some center. He plays some second. He plays some short. Not well, but he plays some short. So. I basically in this scenario, Ben is seeing, and again, acquire prospects or cash considerations for Santiago Espinal. So in a lot of these Espinal is being shipped out. Mm -hmm. uh, he also says in this one, sign Isa Kiner Falafa, ISF, IKF, I should say. Um, I feel like that's redundant. IKF and Ahmed Rosario kind of are redundant here. So I don't know if they would go that route, but uh, he says, would the team be good? Yes, very, obviously. I mean, it would be an insane team. Reality check, highly unlikely. So I, this is one of the long shots here. Of course, the Blue Jays are going to put in an offer on Otani. I can't see it happening. No, I don't think so either. But you can guarantee my thumbnail for this video today will be Shohei in a Blue Jays jersey. Shohei in a Blue Jays jersey. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to Photoshop our faces over someone else's faces, and we're going to be doing the Home Alone face. Oh, my God. <laughs> this changes uh, everything. Okay. So no Shohei so Otani. This, this next scenario is win the Cody Bellinger sweepstakes. Now, Bellinger is going to be highly sought after. He's one of the best defensive center midfielders in baseball. And he showed that his offense has kind of returned mm -hmm. to maybe not career average, but close. He's showing not, power doesn't again. doesn't look lifeless. He's not a hole in your life. He's not by any means. And uh, according to Ben... This would be a seven-year, $168 million contract. So does Rodgers have another big $150 to $170 million contract in them? Probably. Cody Bellinger does fit really well with this team. Left-handed, power bat, would split up all the righties at the top of the order. You could bat Cody in that second or third spot in the lineup. Makes it easier to have an actual cleanup hitter, whether it's Bo, whether it's Vlad, however they wish to massage this lineup i think that's great he says sign adam duvall to a one-year deal in this scenario ahmed rosario again evan longoria as the veteran one year four million dollars uh, acquire drake jake fraley for nate pearson 
and Spencer Horowitz. Jake Freely, by the way, is mentioned quite a bit in these scenarios as well as an outfield option to play left field and then acquire prospects and cash considerations for Santiago Espinal. And would the team be good? Ben says, yes. Reality check, plausible. So this is a scenario that I think the Blue Jays are going to at least explore. The third option here that I truly thought was possible was the return to Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Hmm. Um, I don't see this as, listen, I know everyone is just in love with Lourdes right now and they are just, this, the whole reason the Blue Jays didn't go to the World Series is that Lourdes Gurriel Jr. wasn't on this team. How could they give him up? Almost like everyone has forgotten the five years previous. And I love Lourdes. He was a great piece. Good left fielder. Cannon of an arm. Definitely some um, adventures in left field with his routes to the ball. But all in all, an average to above average fielder. And he's got a good bat on him. In this scenario, uh, Ben considers signing Michael Lorenzen to a two-year, $22 million contract, signing Jock Peterson to a one-year, $12 million contract, that big lefty bat, sign Evan Longoria, acquire Dylan Carlson for Alec Manoa, which we were talking about there. Um, would the team be good? He says, probably. Reality check. It's easier to see Gurriel signing elsewhere. So a reunion with Lourdes, probably unlikely. Can I ask you the way... You okay? Evaluating trades impossible to do, especially this early. But if we were looking four years from now in reverse, and we just said, like, if the plan all along was, hey, Lourdes, we got to send you to Arizona for one year to make this deal happen, but then we're gonna we're gonna absolutely give you 18 million a year for four years we want you here we just need to rent you out for one year if that was the plan and the blue jays signed him to that four-year 72 million dollar deal this offseason does that at all affect how you weigh the trade do you go okay well we got five years of varsho and four years of guriel versus the whatever seven yeah. years of control they got from Moreno. Like, is that at all part of the, or do you just go, no, nah, that's a separate transaction and you need to keep those separate. See, this is where it is so difficult to truly judge a trade because it's, it's so hard to like, you can't ignore some of the other things that happened, right? Like everyone's so quick to just be like, it's Varsho and versus Gabby and Lourdes when truly, I mean, there were a lot of moves that happened because they moved on from Lourdes, right? Mm -hmm. Kevin Kiermeyer, Brandon Belt, both had incredible years and people don't like to bring that up into the equation. Um, bringing Lourdes back would be an interesting endeavor. And I'm not sure if you can actually count that into the math as to how this trade works out. I'm on the fence of that. Great question. Would love to hear from you, the grounds crew. What do you think? If Lourdes returns, does, do you factor that in to the Varsho Moreno trade at all? Or is that completely irrelevant and separate? It 
feels imagine to me. that's funny though adam i love the idea of them going to lourdes and being like listen we're going to bring you back we're, we'll do you a favor we'll send you to arizona to win a world series then you come back with playoff experience <laughs> with playoff experience and <laughs> yeah <laughs> i i only ask because like this trade deadline was shohei otani on the market it was one thing that was bandied about as a mental exercise of like what if the angels went to Shohei and were like, hey, we're going to trade you for a massive haul, go on your playoff run, get a taste of the playoff experience, but we still want you. We're going to bring you, like, we're going to offer you half a billion dollars. Don't worry. This isn't a, we're not breaking up with you, right? But when you come back next spring, the team's going to be even better because we rented you out, right? We're going to have that extra pitcher, that extra five prospects in triple a ready to chip in in 2024 right like that's an interesting thing to contemplate so i i think there are some parallels there to like if that was not necessarily planned with guriel but if that's how it ended up working out of like hey come on back we made the team better thanks for letting us rent you out for a year i don't know Anyways. yeah um, the next one is called a balanced approach. And this is sorry, kind of my sorry. favorite. Do you want Gurriel Jr. back? Is he a guy Not that you really? Miss? No, I miss him. I, I really like Gurriel. I just, at, at 30 years old, I, yeah. I don't know, man. Would I be disappointed if they brought him back? Probably not. Yeah. At four years, 70 million, it, I could resources be allocated to a better spot. I feel they could. I agree. I'm with you. Uh, so the balanced approach one is my favorite. Uh, signed Jamar Candelario. And I said he was with the Reds. He's He was with the Nationals. My apologies. Uh, red jerseys. Red jerseys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jamar Candelario to a two-year $26 million contract. Signed Reese Hoskins to a one-year $20 million prove-it contract, similar to what the Marcus Simeon one was. Of course, Hoskins, uh, a Philadelphia Philly, and had an injury-ridden season this year. Uh, I like where he fits on this team. Sign Ahmed Rosario. Sign IKF. Acquire Jake Fraley for Nate Pearson and Spencer Horowitz, and then acquire prospects or cash for Santiago Espinal. Would the team be good? Yes. Reality check. Quite plausible, Ben feels on this one. And I think this is probably the approach we're going to see. Maybe not exactly as he lays it out here, but I think we're going to see some trades made. I think we're going to see some lower risk free agents acquired. I don't know if they're going to go out and get a Cody Ballinger or, or good Lord, the unicorn himself. But the balanced approach is, I think, something that this this organization very well uh, could go the next option that is very possible he calls the even more balanced approach <laughs> sign josh bell to a two-year 34 million dollar contract i love this idea josh bell is a guy that i think blue jays fans have had their eye on for a while he's kind of mm -hmm. the jay bruce of uh of this era right <laughs> yeah. so he's a big lefty bat he plays first base so that he can uh give vladdy some time off much like brandon belt did 
signed Kent Ameda to a two-year $32 million contract, signed David Robertson for the back end of the bullpen, signed Gio Urshela to a one-year deal, acquired Jake Fraley for Nate Pearson and Spencer Horwitz. And again, the Dylan Cease for Manoa trade comes up. Would the team be good? Probably. Reality check. Plausible. So those are the most likely ones. Uh, the last one I am going to bring up is just because it was interesting to me. And he calls it the international excellence. And that's where you go to Japan, you sign Yoshinobu Yamamoto to a seven-year, $154 million contract. Of course, he's the big pitching free agent that is coming out of Japan this year. They think there's not even 100% that he is going to leave Japan, but... Mm-hmm. He could be available, and if he is, he's going to be probably the most sought-after international pitcher on the market, maybe even the most sought-after pitcher on the market. Uh, he says, then sign Joey Votto to a one-year deal, bring him home to Canada. Ahmed Rosario, of course, there he is again. Uh, acquire Willie Adamas for Santiago Espinal, Chad Dallas, Connor Cook, and Landon Maradas. Uh, Willie Adamas is an interesting option here. Of course, he's got, I think it's one year left on his contract, maybe two in Milwaukee and the Brewers being a small market team might be interested in moving on from Willie Adamas as his contract is expiring. So Dylan Cease for Alec Manoa is also on this one. Um, Would the team be good? He says, yes, reality check plausible, but probably the least unlikely of all the ones we mentioned outside of Otani. Uh, Everybody rushing to their keyboards, Dylan Carlson for Alec Manoa. Yes. I planted that Dylan Cease trap in your brain, but right, Dylan Carlson, yes, Dylan Cease for Alec Manoa. I'm all over that. Let's do that. Let's pull the trigger on that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure most of us are. Most um, of us are. Great article by Ben Nicholson Smith. Yes. I know we just kind of regurgitated it here to you, but honestly, check it out on Sportsnet. He did a really in-depth job of this. Could I read a few more tea leaves into this? Because, okay. Yes. The way I like to read an article like this from an educated hypothesis standpoint, uh, such as him or Shy or any of the internal reporters who may have unofficial off-the-record knowledge of off-season plans. Uh, so I think there's real value in an article like this as opposed to mm-hmm. anything you or I could whip up or any other Yahoo on the tube. Um, in two of those 10 scenarios, Kevin Kiermeyer resigns. Blue Jays. Uh, does that mean a 20% chance? I don't know, but noteworthy. Uh, in almost every scenario, Santiago Espinal gone. Yeah. Uh, cash considerations and prospects. Sounds like basically we just, we're moving on from him. We're making space for somebody else. Maybe it's internal. Maybe it's a signing. He's gone. Also, zero mention in any of the 10 scenarios. Whit Merrifield comes back to the Blue Jays. Also, zero of these 10 scenarios does Matt Chapman return to the Blue Jays. Very good point. Very good point. I I do wish to touch on the Santiago Espinal thing for just a real quick second, because I know that there's a lot of Blue Jays fans who are on Twitter saying things like, who would even give up anything for Santiago Espinal? And to that, I'm just, I shake my head a little bit, man. It's like, this is a guy who was an all-star two years ago, can play shortstop, can play second base, makes almost nothing. 
You're telling me there isn't value in that somewhere. I'm not saying we're going to get uh, a bunch of high end prospects, but we, can we get a few? We traded for Paul DeYoung. Yeah. For 10 days. <laughs> yeah. There were being no, people the willing truth. to give That's something for Espinal. Yeah. yeah. So I, I again, yeah. do we expect a top prospect for him? No, but could we get some valuable assets in return? Absolutely. I, a young Adelis Garcia, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now we're just getting crazy. Let's sign Shohei while we're at it. Yeah. <sighs> that was a really good point, by the way, about not one of these 10 scenarios had Matt Chapman's name in it. Well, I had to double check because I thought I thought maybe it's it's not a confirmation by omission until I saw that there are definitively two scenarios where he specifically says sign Kevin Kiermeyer to two years. Mm-hmm. So the J Mayer Candelario is interesting too, because the blue Jays do have, I would say three internal options, probably vying for that third base, uh, Aralvis Martinez, which we are going to get into he does have a rocket of an arm and does profile decently at third base. He's gotten most of his time at shortstop. Uh, I know they're playing him at second base in the Dominican Winter Leagues. Uh, so we will touch on that. But he is an option, but he's also 21 years old. He'll be 22 in the offseason. In a competitive window, betting on a 21-year-old where you're relying on it, that's a tough one. That's a risk. Listen, we're, we're, we're watching what's happening with Evan Carter in, in Texas and absolutely a young guy can come up and contribute in major ways, but to rely on that is a very, very dangerous road to go down. Um, Addison Barger, another dude, same scenario, right? A little older. He's going to be 25 this off season. Relying on him. I need to see more out of him. I think before he gets the call up, I think he is going to make his major league debut in 2024. I just don't think it's going to be out of spring training and having a guy like Candelario on the team. It does allow you uh, some leeway. And then also if you, you do need to go two years, he's a guy third baseman don't grow on trees. So even if you do lock him up for a two year deal and need to trade him next off season, deal with that next off season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then finally, before we move on to the Jano uh, extension idea, I also thought it was really interesting that Jake Fraley and Ahmed Rosario both were brought up numerous mm-hmm. times. Uh, it, they were brought up enough where I'm like, does Ben know something? Mm-hmm. Are these guys that the the front office of the Blue Jays have little stars next to. Of course, that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that they're going to acquire them, but if they're guys they're shooting for, yeah. we've watched them woo players in the past. Mm-hmm. I like it. It'll be an interesting offseason. Uh, Cody Bellinger, seven years, $168 million. He's 28 now. That takes him to age 35. Is there a more high-risk, high-reward free agent option this offseason? Probably not. Like that could absolutely. Maybe Shohei. <laughs> yeah. I feel like he's safe. He's got a higher floor than Cody Bellinger. He does. Like, 
it's going to cost you to make it, but it does feel like more of a sure thing. I mean, barring his, injury, his risk barring is injury. Tacos. His risk is injury. Right. Cody Bellinger, I feel like could be healthy and could be an absolute Vernon Wells in the outfield for the yeah. last five years of that deal. But if we don't, the fan base is going to revolt. So, all right. Anything else? Danny Jansen extension. Catcher. So, crunch. Danny Jansen. Uh, Catcher he's crunch, years. by the way. Delicious name for a cereal. What is? Catcher Crunch. Catcher Crunch. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just Danny with the blue sideways pirate hat. Yeah. That's By the way, man, the amount of times that I'll listen back to our episodes and you are <laughs> being absolutely hilarious and things are going right over my head, it's almost embarrassing. It's <laughs> uh, great. No, you're like, being wanna, professional wanna and show. I'm being a goof. Yeah, want to want to show. <laughs> Jumanji. All right, there we go. So Danny Jansen, 28 years old. Um, one thing that I think is important to recognize with Danny is he is one of the few players on this team that has been developed internally, has been a Blue Jay his whole career, has been a part of this core since the beginning. He knows the pitching staff so incredibly well. The pitching staff love Jano. And there is a lot to be said for a, a, a staff believing in the catcher and what they're calling behind the plate. We've had major league catchers on this show before. Uh, Joe Siddle actually mentioned Mm-hmm. That it takes years in the big leagues to become elite at calling a game. Mm-hmm. And Danny Jansen is finally at the point in his career where he is sort of there. Uh, 29 at the end of his final year of ARB. So we do have him under contract for one more year. He made three and a half million last year in arbitration. He's probably going to be around 4.25, 4.5 in our yep. this year in extension this off season, honestly, man, it probably makes the most sense out of any guy on this team that they need to extend outside of Boba Lock them up for another two years. Listen, you can do it at a very reasonable price. I really do think that Danny would sign an extension 20 million for two years, 10 million a year for a few reasons, for a few reasons. Number one, that would take him to age 31. We watched what JT Realmuto signed with the Phillies at age 31. By the way, I'm not comparing Danny Jansen to Realmuto. However, obviously Danny has way more power in his bat. His offensive numbers, if he can stay on the field, have been so exciting over the last couple of years. And I know that there is this misconception, in my opinion, and I, I could be wrong on this, that he's injury prone. But if you look, and we've talked about this before, Adam, if you look back at his injuries over the last couple of years, like how many times can the guy take a ball in the hand and need to be out because of it? You know, like he got hit in the hand earlier in the season, missed time. He took a foul ball off his middle finger, broke it, needed surgery to miss the last six weeks. He still had a career high in home runs with 17 this year and is literally the only guy who pulls the ball for power on this team. (laughs) Danny Jansen, it just seems like a really good fit for both sides, 
right? It allows him a little more time to prove that he is that guy that he has shown. Although the numbers, like that's the thing. You take his one, his numbers over the last 162 games, he looks like Marcus Simi. Now the problem is, is that they're not all in a row. It took six so years to he, get there. He really does need to put a healthy season together. And I think it would really do him a lot of good if he can give himself a little bit more breathing room. And he loves the Blue Jays, right? Again, this is all he knows. I, I, I really do think that it is a great fit. I think it's something that the front office should be trying to do right now is extend Jano. Where are you at on him? Do you think he's too injury prone, Adam? Man, I go back and forth on this. I mean, friend of the show, I don't want to say he, that yeah. he is. I know that like, yeah, I mean, we can cite the freak injury of it all, taking a ball off the hand. But then I also, to be fair, would that have broken every other catcher's hand? Like, I just watched it happen to Gabriel Moreno. Two weeks ago, took a very similar ball off the hand and a very similar, he's back catching, or he's catching, I shouldn't say back catching, that's illegal now, isn't it? He's catching, he's back there catching, and uh, ball tipped off his hand, left the game. I mean, he, I think he had his at-bat in the next inning, and then came out of the game, and then just decided to return and hit a bunch of home runs and some clutch RBIs and take his team to the World Series. I don't know. Danny Jansen was out for a month. Gabriel Moreno was back the next day. Very similar event, but the outcome was different. Mm-hmm. That's tough for me to ignore. I, it, it feels like, if I'm being honest with myself, to say he's not injury prone feels like more of an apolo- like more of an apology than to say he is injury prone versus the evidence of, yeah, but they're kind of freak weird things. So yeah, I would say if I had to go gun to my head, is he more or less injury prone? I'd say he's probably more injury prone in my gut. That's how I probably honestly feel like 55%. Which is why you probably get him for a very reasonable price. Yeah. And with Alejandro Kirk still having three years of control on his contract, and in all honesty, I truly believe that Alejandro Kirk is most likely going to have a better season next year than this year. He struggled so much out of the gate that I really do think that just him getting right is going to be huge. So having Danny and Kirk back there for another, you know, it would, it would pair them up so that they're both going to be free agents at the same time. And then the blue Jays can kind of reevaluate where they are at on the catching position at that point. And it does give Danny some runway to build his value back up and show that he can stay on the field. And if he can't. I, I don't dislike a future with Danny Jansen. I think he's a great guy. Yeah. I just, I just wish he was there more. I wish he was our catcher 145 times a year. I truly do. Um, So where is everybody at? Grounds crew, let us know. Where where are you at on Danny Jansen? Do you think an extension is a good idea? Or are you more along the lines of, let's play it out. Let's see if he can stay on the field here and we can reevaluate and try and sign him in free agency if that's the route we wish to take. And pay a little more if he can prove that he can stay healthy 
instead of maybe taking uh, a discount on him to extend him, but then risking him missing half the season, which he has kind of been prone to doing. Uh, moving on, I do wish to touch on Aralvis Martinez. I know we brought him up last show, but Aralvis has confirmed that he is going to go play in the Dominican Winter Leagues. He's going to play on Lycee, which is the team that Nate Pearson threw for last offseason. Um, Aralvis Martinez has been playing a lot of second base to end the season. Uh, he's a natural shortstop, but he doesn't look like he's going to stick at shortstop in the big leagues. That's a big risk, but he does have a cannon of an arm. So he does profile nicely as a third baseman as well, but he does have a lack of experience there. Uh, Martinez has an above average arm. He's a very good athlete. He's not long-term shortstop. So where does he fit? And, and this is the thing to, to take into consideration is, the Blue Jays are are very much like Nate Pearson, allowing him to go to the Winter Leagues and get some innings under his belt. There's a reason they're sending a Rolvis there. They'd like him to work on something. And the fact that he is slated in at second base does say something to me. Now, I'm not saying that it it is eliminating him from the third base position because, like we already said, he's got a great arm. But his range is decent, and he does profile decently as a second baseman if he can get the reps in there. And there is also a hole at second base with this team. Now, right now, Biggio and Davis Schneider are kind of the guys that are probably going to slot in there and platoon back and forth, the lefty-righty there, which does fit nicely. And if one of them, we watched this happen this year. There were a few candidates at second base, and Whit Merrifield kind of took the job right out of the gate. And then by the end of the year, he was slumping, and then it was kind of back to that platoon thing. So 21 years old. Where are you at on Aralvis Martinez, Adam? Do you see him as a, a possible out-of-spring training addition to this Blue Jays? Because that was one thing I noticed as well on the Ben Nicholson Smith article is that there weren't internal options on there. There, the, I, Not one of them was like third base, Addison Barger, third base, Aralvis Martinez out of the gate. Is there more development to go there? Well, I, I think the only... Ricky Tiedemann included, the only player I would feel comfortable with in a starting role from day one, April 1st or March 31st, whenever the schedule starts, would be Arelvis Martinez. Okay. Would be taking a chance on him. I think just the upside is so substantial that I'd be willing to deal with the growing pains of him. He has lowered his strikeout rate, which was almost over 30% in double a to around 16 in triple a last year. He cut it in half. He is taking way more walks. We're still seeing monster power 
and he's 21 going on 22. Um, by the way, when you say that, uh, in your scenario here, Davis Schneider already has a role on this team, correct? No. No. Okay. No. I mean, as a bench piece, sure. But no, I don't, I don't want, I don't want to go into the 2024 season going, well, we're good at second base. We got Davis Schneider. Like if that's the way it plays out. Sure. But the ceiling on Davis Schneider is not MVP player. No. That's the only guy I want to take a risk on is a guy who has that kind of upside. Like I love Davis Schneider. He was a fun oh, yeah, story to too. follow last year. Great Absolutely. guy. Like whatever, but like friend of the show, amazing dude. Just would I bet the mortgage on him hitting above two thirty next season? Probably not. I don't, ugh, I just don't want to see, I want established guys mm-hmm. when we're trying to contend. We can have one or two wild card lottery ticket type players, but for me, that's not Addison Barger, reasons... that's not Davis Schneider, and again, yeah. like Ricky Tiedemann, if he ends up getting a, like, Pitches hot in AAA and does the Alec Manoa 2021 route and is like, is our fifth starting pitcher by the middle of May? Cool. Like, that worked out. I'll be, I'll gladly take that. But I don't want to approach free agency and be like, okay, we got Gary Gossman, we got Chris Bassett, we got Jose Barrios, Yusei Kikuchi, and we got Ricky Tiedemann in the number five spot. Uh, That does not interest me. So yeah, I'm kind of with you. I, I feel like Ricky resign Ryu, go yeah. get a free agent, trade for somebody. Doesn't have to even be a top tier guy, but like go get us a proper number five shirt yeah. and let Ricky steal that guy's job. That's yes. what I want to see, and that's how I feel about the rest of the position. Alec as well, for that matter. Alec Manoa is the same thing. Yeah, don't give him a. I don't want to plan on Alec Manoa being our number five, and maybe he's our number one by the end of the year. Like, no, he's our number eight, and he's down in Triple A, and maybe he recaptures it, and then we're we're laughing, right? Big time. Uh, and and that's how I feel about like third base and everything else. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't want to go into the twenty twenty four off season and being like we don't got to worry about third base we have addison barger that fucking means nothing to me yeah that's that's where i'm at if we're if we say the plan is Aurelvis and i'm Martinez excited about barger i know you are i'm not i, I, just, I want I, but to i be. feel the same way adam i feel the same way like i'm excited about him and i still feel like prove it kid if and I, I don't, I'm not thrilled about this idea either, but if that was the approach and we like didn't sign a, a, a third baseman or a second baseman or whatever, and then the answer at the press conferences in February was like, hey, why didn't you solve that hole at third base after letting Matt Chapman leave? And the answer was, oh, because Arelvis Martinez, it's his job. He's starting at third. We love what he did in the, the Dominican winter league. league and whatever we yeah. are so high on this kid and he is our third baseman and the future starts today. I'm all in on that. But if it's anyone, mm-hmm. but him, I'm not, uh, I'm so pissed. That's where I'm at. Like with him, 
No, and I agree. And I think that one thing. And that I still really think that's risky. I still think that's risky. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. With the risky. with the upside there, I'm willing to take that one risk. I'm just not willing to do it saying. unless the ceiling I, yeah. is way up there. So yeah, I get what you're saying. Okay. The risk reward, yeah. it only works in the Aralvis Martinez scenario to you. Yeah. And yeah. and I, I think that one thing that stood out as well with that Ben Nicholson Smith article is that Santiago they move on from which does go to show you they do have a lot of faith in Davis Schneider to be that guy who can come off the bench and be that Santiago Espinal. I mean, look at how much Espinal played last year, right? Like Schneider's going to be given an opportunity to yeah. take a job. to 60 he, games and maybe more if, he, if it goes well. For sure. I mean, what did Espinal play last year? I, it had to have been close to 100. I mean, maybe not, Probably. but, but uh, there's definitely going to be some opportunity there. For Davis Schneider, he does have that power. He does hit oppos, which is again something that this team struggles with. Uh, Santiago Espinal had ninety-three games last year. Um, I have and spent some time on the IL. Yeah, I don't know how many of those games were. I mean, if you pinch hit in the ninth inning or your yeah. defensive sub in the eighth, that counts as a game. I don't count that as a game, but like statistically. Right. It might be more like 70 or 80 with a couple right. pinch hits, pinch runs or whatever, yeah. but anyways, half a season. Sure. Man, I'm so curious what happens at third base. Like it really is going mm-hmm. to be such an interesting off season. So if, by the way, to the grounds crew, if we're missing something here, Drop it in the comments. Like, where are you at on third base? How does everyone feel about Aralvis Martinez? How does everyone feel about Addison Barger? Damiano Pomigiani, friend of the show. Like, the dude hammered balls in the Arizona Fall League. He continues to progress at every level that this organization has put him at. He's definitely a dark horse to do some damage later in the season in 2024. I can't see in a million years him making this team out of spring training, but is he a guy to keep your eye on a dude who could definitely be given an opportunity in 2024? Hell yeah, he could. Absolutely. All right. Anything to add there on a Ralvis? I don't think we covered it. Okay. World series. Buddy. What a game one. Yeah, I mean, uh, I was at my kid's hockey game, so I didn't get to watch it live. Uh, the whole drive home, I was telling my dad, don't check your phone. I said, we'll do yeah. game one in 30 or whatever it's called when we get yeah. home at, you know, 10 o'clock. And, uh, and then I get to the Sportsnet app and I scroll down and the game's still like airing. And I'm like, why? It started like four hours ago. Like, what? I'm like, I'm like oh, maybe it's an extras. This is awesome. And I'm like, we're just yeah. forget the thing in 30 or because like, it wasn't an it. option. I'm like, we're just joining them live. And it, we're joining them live as they're like doing like the post game coverage of like it just ended after the 11th. And I'm like, ah, shit. We shouldn't have stopped for coffee cream like at the grocery store. Um, but of course, you know, watch the, the recap of it oh, or whatever. Just course. like, what an awesome game it looked like. Corey Seeger, man. I mean, what a. Huge home run to have hit in the in the ninth inning to tie that up. Incredible. 
And that he is really as the takeaway. As soon as he hit the ball, too, like you, he, just the look on his face. Oh, he knew he got a hold. Like, what a great feeling! Happy yeah. for a guy like that. Just, I love yeah. moments in sports. And even as yeah. not being a Rangers fan, I'm like, oh, Corey Seager. Like that's that's the moment we all played out in our backyard. Yeah, World Series game tying home run, like boom over the hedges, right? And like, oh, I was so pumped for him. I don't even like him, but so pumped for him because that's just cool. That was the takeaway of game one, in my opinion, was that the Rangers' big dogs showed up big. Yep. Corey Seager, Adolis Garcia put that team on their back and made it work, man. And it's funny. I saw a tweet that just made me laugh out loud from, from Mish Beer, friend hey. of the show and, and Patreon member and yep. hello, Mish. Uh, she says, so apparently hitting Adolis Garcia with a ball is like pouring water on a gremlin. <laughs> Great analogy. Great analogy. Yeah, someone fed that kid after midnight because he is balling yes. out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. My God, the dude is such a beast. Like you just watch him come to the plate. The confidence that that man has right now and ride the hot streak, kid. You know, like ride that hot stick because mm-hmm. this isn't this isn't how Adolis Garcia is every game of the 162 game season. Obviously, nobody is like this, but that's what you got to love about playoff baseball is the guys who who show up and just yeah. play out of this world like Adolis Garcia in that in that game uh, winning home run last night. That was his 22nd RBI of the playoffs. Yeah. Now, now, please, everyone in the comments, tell me how RBIs don't matter. But, like, <laughs> that's insane. Yeah. He broke the record for, for RBIs in a playoffs, by the way, yesterday. So and what is he still... on pace for a 200 RBI season? If this was 162 <laughs> scaled out, like, like yeah, legit, that's, man, legit that's the frame of reference of, of where he's at right now. Yeah, no, that's cool. I'm, I'm still, I think I, I think I'm cheering for the Diamondbacks in this world. Me too, man. Me too. I, I'm just an underdog guy. I just would prefer to see the underdog win. And of course the 84 win Diamondbacks, nobody's a bigger underdog than that. After last night's game, a lot of the rhetoric is the Diamondbacks are done. Um, They gave it everything they had and it came up short. Do you feel that that's possible or or, uh, this is still a series, right? Yeah, still a series. Yeah. I mean. How many times do the Diamondbacks need to be counted out before people learn their lesson? (laughs) Yeah. uh, No, I mean, they're. Yeah, they just they're a keep, fun team, man. They're a fun team. It's it's good. I mean, it, as long as they believe in themselves, they got a shot. Yeah. So I think Corbin Carroll is uh, a, a mega a star. I think he is what a stud. going to be a video game cover athlete at some point I mean, in his career. I think I love the way he away. plays ball. Run away. Rookie of the year. Yeah. In the NL, looks like an um, absolute math teacher out there, but boy, can he play ball! I love it. Um, and they got a couple kids on that team that can play ball the right yeah. way, so yeah. it's a it's a fun team. I, I think 
yeah, a couple things go their way, and uh, they could absolutely take four in this series. So, it's... Merrill Kelly taking the mound tonight against Jordan Montgomery, who has been just a revelation for the Rangers since he joined them at the trade deadline. I mean, what a great acquisition. And it's funny, even when they added him, I kind of poo-pooed it a little bit. I was like, oh, you want to have got Jordan Montgomery. But honestly, <laughs> where would this team be without him? He's literally been incredible for them. Mm-hmm. Coming out of the bullpen to, to lock down that game seven against the Astros. I mean, just what a story from Jordan Montgomery. Love to see it. So many great stories in this World Series. It does make me laugh, all the Yankees and Dodgers fans that are like, no one's going to watch this series. It's going to be so boring. And like game one was just like the best game one we've seen in a World Series. And so it's just like, okay. If we get seven more games like that. Oh, my God. I hope hope it's six or seven games, and I hope they're all close. They don't have to all go to extras, but. I want Give me games. as much playoff baseball as we can get. Exactly. I don't. I don't want to be tuning out in the eighth inning. Going. All right. Well, that was a good game. Yeah. Don't give me that. Yeah. <sighs> All right, buddy. Let's wrap up on Halloween. Coming yes. up here. Now, I I put this as one of our show notes because I know that you get into Halloween. I know that uh, with Lily, now twelve. Is she yep. uh, still excited for Halloween or is now she too big? She's still a trick-or-treater. Uh, she's definitely at that age where like I'm waiting for the year where she's like, uh, I don't really want to go out. Like I just want to stay home and watch scary movies with my friends and or yeah. whatever, right? Like it's coming. But I Not hope this that year. I hope she still dresses up for those house parties and whatever. Um this year. So last year, her and I were uh, eleven, and post and uh, Hopper from Stranger Things, yeah. and then yeah, I had to shave my beard for that one. That was a kind yeah. of dad of the but year. You looked great, buddy. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, this year, she is going as Post Malone. Believe it or not, <laughs> yeah. So I'll uh, I'll send you a picture of that. Uh, she's got the amazing. Yeah. We got face tattoos and everything for. Her. Um, and then she should she, call herself pre Malone, no, right? No, sorry, <laughs> premature Malone. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, and then her, her wishes, so we are honoring them. My wife and I is that it is a family related costume. So all three of us are going as Post Malone. We're going as different <laughs> versions of Post Malone. So face tattoos and all. So yeah, it's uh, that's our Halloween costume this year. Um, oh, that's my, super fun, dude! My I can't fa- wait. You you got to send me pics. Oh, of course. <laughs> my my favorite one that I've ever done was back when I was in college. I went as uh, Billy Mays, the OxyClean sales yes. pitchman. So me yes. and my my two buddies that I was uh, my my gang members, uh, we were all like TV commercial pitchmen. So we had like. Mm-hmm. Vince from Slap Chop or Sham Wow or whatever, and uh, and then Ken or Ron Popeil from like the Ronco Knives, yeah, big green apron and stuff. And then I was Billy Mays, uh, yeah, it was. I'll send you that picture too. That's a good one. Um, honorable mention to my nephew who is uh, with his best friend going as uh, Dale and Brendan from Step Brothers. So, hey, I've love seen it. the picture of their costumes and it looks pretty good with their little diamond uh, cardigan things and stuff. So, 
There you go. Yeah, pretty was, fun. How uh, about yourself? It was a big Halloween party in Tumla Ridge last night. There was some pretty cool costumes. I, I just put on the striped sweater and threw on a toque called myself where's where's waldo right oh, nice. it, it actually worked pretty good you know yeah, where's waldo yeah, the bearded yeah. the bearded version i like it i dig it that's um, good good for you one of my favorite costumes that i've ever done was i was i was i went to the um uh, value village and i bought the biggest pair of fat man pants you could find you know mm-hmm. somebody who had a 500 pounder and then i i put suspenders on it and then i just yeah. went as pants had it right up to here. <laughs> just the full set of pants. Nice. Well, it's just fun to yell out, I'm pants. <laughs> yeah. were, were you drunk when you were yelling that out or were you just? Oh, yes. Absolutely. I'm pants. I can picture I'm you pants. saying that. I'm pants. I also spent uh, a day. So this was when I had first started comedy. I had quit my radio job. I had moved to Edmonton to pursue stand up. And I wound up getting a job in a furniture warehouse and it was very patio furniture. This was in October. So the slowest possible time. Mm-hmm. So you're just literally when the boss comes back, you're like, I've swept like eight times. So they just kind of let you do whatever at that point. Yeah. So I like made a cardboard cutout of the zigzag guy. And I, so I did the the white zigzag box and everything. And then I put on a red toque and just kind of wore around like that is the zigzag guy. That was a fun one too. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Oh, I love it. All right. Well, drop in gonna... the comments, folks. What's yeah, your best costume? Yeah. yeah. Let us know. Good. Honestly, uh, uh, apologies on this being a day late, but uh, better late than never. Right. There you go. Uh, game so two much goes tonight. Everybody. Game two goes tonight. Jordan Montgomery versus Merrill Kelly. I love that name, man. Merrill. Merrill Kelly. <laughs> very good. All right, Scott. Cheers. Have have yourself a good weekend, and we'll see you uh, Monday for MLB Mondays on you Patreon. Too, buddy. Cheers. Take care, everybody. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Walk Off Podcast with Scott Belford and Adam Mack with a new episode every Friday. Thanks for listening.